Hello listeners and welcome to a brand new episode of the Everybody's Eats Ligam podcast. I'm your host as always Nanad. Delighted to be joined by my two co-hosts. Firstly, coming back after a brief break is uh, Jerry. Jerry, how's it going? I'm going I'm going well, Nanad. Thank you. Yeah. Now back up. <laughs> 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 I'm just crying because we had to restart the pod because Jerry said, "Tell me how you're doing before, and don't ask me to ask you how you're yeah, doing." Yeah, he's, not, he's then, not particularly fond of me asking. So, yeah, Jerry's basically let us know he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to know how we're doing. So <laughs> if we're going to say it, he's not going to ask. And I respect the man. He didn't ask how you were doing yeah, there. That's good. That's good. There, there. Ask Alex how you are doing. <laughs> I also want to ask you how you're doing, Nanad, but I'm I'm doing pretty well. Um, the sun it's starting to get a little bit warmer in Cape Town, which I'm actually more of a winter person, but it is it is nice. It's been very cold recently, mm. um, and my winter clothes are running out. So so yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I mean it's 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 probably for the best then that nicer climates are coming your way. But we are here to talk about the newcomers um, in Liga, which is Lahav and Mets. And before we get into all of that. We have to, as always, start with uh, the review of the weekend's action and the headlines from France with Jerry. So, Jerry, why don't you start with that and give us uh, your headline to pick out from France this week? Yeah, so in France this week, what has been particularly ple- pleasurable was the fact that the stadium, the att- attendance in stadium are growing in France. Now we've got a lot of clubs who are always uh, full in the stadium, like... Well, obviously, PSG, but of course, can also talk about how Lens is doing really well, um, Strasbourg as usual, and that's something really positive because in the year 2010, you could see a lot of um, empty stadium. So yeah, people are really pleased with this and just questioning about the fact how certain clubs have stadium way bigger than what they should have, like uh, Nice or Montpellier. So that's kind of what I've been underlined this week in France. Mm, interesting, interesting. I, I've noticed that as well. Like sometimes the, there have been stadiums, like especially with Nice and Monaco even, I've n- noticed that some sections aren't always full. So I take your point there. It's uh, it's interesting. Um, good to see. Yeah. Why, why do you think... Why do you think that is, though, that the stadiums are starting to fill out so much more now? Because, I mean, my understanding, obviously not as someone who lives in France, but has followed the league a lot, is that it's always had very passionate fan bases. Yeah. And I know I know the ones like Marseille and Lyon have always been full. I mean, maybe Lyon a little bit less so nowadays. Um, but why do you think that there's been more fans coming to stadiums? Do you have any idea why? Um, I genuinely think that the quality of football is better now so which is the reason mm. and i i don't know i might be wrong with this but i feel like with the like kind of social era media there's a big factor of authentication and you know and when you go to the stadium you just you like to post it generally you like to post it on social media saying i'm the stadium i'm supporting my club from the city i like so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> posting it for the ground <laughs> yeah no, i generally th- do you think that it's because of it, uh, in a certain aspect? But yeah, I, I couldn't, okay. I, I haven't been thinking much about it. So it would be interesting, as you said, to, to have a look on yeah. why. I mean, 
You spoke about it being like higher quality. I, I don't know about players. I mean, I think that's always been in flux. I think maybe it is higher quality players, but definitely coaches, I think, is must be a huge factor. I mean, that's ultimately the football that you're watching. You can have all the best players in the football that can be crap. Or you can, you know, have a good coach and he'll get players that aren't, you know, even the best in the world playing some brilliant stuff. I mean, we we can talk about Deserby, for example. I think when with his earlier sides, they weren't these super great players, but they were playing super great possession football. Uh, I mean, reportedly, I, yeah. I didn't watch his like I mean, teams or whatever. I, I would say that now there is a big more of competitiveness in the league within the league because for a long years, you know, we had like what well, Leon was dominating, Marseille were dominating, PSG was really dominating. Well, PSG is still kind of dominating, but they, they <laughs> what do you mean kind of? No, but like they can't lose like. Before, when people were playing one of those top teams, they will go to the game kind of in being like, "Oh, we're not just we're not gonna try to have to concede ten goals or I mean five goals or six goals." Now they come, they you can see team frequently going to Parc des Princes like like Lorient did or or Nice did and saying, "Oh, we actually might get something here." And I think that's a mentality. Of, yeah, this kind of mentality has I mean- changed. And also just the variety in coaching. It used to just be like 16 managers in the league would be playing some kind of low block, straightforward, like, you know, kind of Brexit ball, the way people talk about, you know, old English football. And now we've got so much variety in in our coaches. And I think that's a that's a huge plus. But I have to say, I think this is probably the best league in the world, especially if you look past PSG dominating. I always find it exciting. And you can see how tight the league is at the moment and how it's, you know, two bad results can you see you going from like fourth to 16th. I mean, listen, it sounds like the perfect time to have a league on podcast around, which is which is probably the best thing for us. So on that note, let's get into the, the weekend's action, starting with, as Jerry mentioned, talking about Strasbourg Lens. Uh, win for Lens in this one. Um, he's first goal for the club, and he's looking a lot better with every game and showing more promise and... I think showing potential to replace Lois Appenda in the coming weeks. Um, next was uh, Clermont nil and PSG nil uh, in a in a rather uh, obviously a goalless showing for PSG despite a lot of chances. I think three plus expected goals. But Jay, there was a lot more to take away from this game, wasn't it? Uh, man of the match performance from uh, Clermont's goalkeeper Morigio. Uh, what else was there that stood out for you? Um, I think for this game, what was interesting to to angle to see that um, Luis Enrique chose to put Bradley Bargola again, and obviously resting play in the midfield because they they need they need they need some rest, and and yeah, so he opts for something a bit different when you that kind of like four four two or three four three, and it was just interesting to see how Car- Bargola wasn't he. So recently, when we see him, was more in a forwards role, but in that position, because the opposition of the day, Sheikh Konate, who's a young player, was really interesting, by the way, had a really good game and forced him to defend a lot. So we often see him, uh, Barcola having to go back in defense or even have to, to, to defend in his own box. And I mean, just uh, another um, face of the player that, that Alex know, really know, know well. So yeah, I think that that, that that was quite interesting, and well, the conclusion that we can make out of this game is that uh, Danilo Pereira and Milan Skriniar playing together is definitely something that doesn't work. Um, 
they, they struggled a lot against Shamar Nicholson. And he's, he's kind of a good target man, but that's about it. He's not really, he's not really fast, not really strong. Um, and I think Clermont tried to use him uh, the same way that, uh, Nice did with Terran Murphy. And it worked quite well because it's such a shame. Like when Vidal Skriniar and Danilo Pereira, two players are supposed to be strong in defensive duel, have been so easily dominated by a player that, Oh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch much of the, the league, uh, the Russian league, so I didn't know much about him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it doesn't seem like Danilo Pereira is very suited to that wide centre-back role anyway. So it's um, it's like no wonder that he's, you know, struggling a little bit. I think he's far more comfortable when PSG are defending deeper in their own half uh, when the ball's in front of him. So, so yeah, that makes sense. Um, but moving on to more exciting matters, Alex, we watched Monaco 3, Marseille 2. Um, a goal for goal or two, I think it was for for Akliush in this game. Um, yeah, was, brace. was used in uh, in the Takumi Minamino role. How did you uh, think he fared in this uh, this game? I think it was it was slightly different to the Minamino role, especially with two more you know yeah. kind of strikers ahead of him, and he was kind of playing a little bit behind there. But I mean, it, it's very much same same in terms of how. The, the roles that the play that front three has. Um, I I love I loved his performance. I mean, he's been a name that's kind of floated around for a couple of years, and he's twenty one already. You know, in in legal terms, isn't that young, um, for a breakthrough player. Um, and never really had his his breakthrough moments. And and yeah, I think today, well, not today, on Sunday he did. He got he got a start. He, he immediately scored pretty much. Had a very good performance besides that as well. And I think what was really exciting is seeing him linking up with Balogun. They, who also, what was that? Not Balogun's first start. No, it wasn't. But it was it was his best performance so far. I think he got a goal and yes. assist as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, being assisted by Akluish and then returning mm. the favor as well. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was fantastic. He's electric. Um, you know, there were, there were, I was hearing a lot of stuff about after the two penalty misses, which was just dumb because this is a superstar strike, in my opinion. I, I know what was it last week, two weeks yeah. ago. We I put him as you know, I th- I said I think he's the best striker in the league outside PSG, and I, I I think this just reaffirms that he was he was fantastic. Yeah, I think what's immediately noticeable is also like how Balogun's becoming more the center of the attack like the focus of of where everything's going and what mm-hmm. everything's moving through because Balogun was also very involved in like deeper areas he was dropping back playing with his back to goal being involved with Akliush uh having some lovely combination play with him and yeah I think shows very very promising signs for for Monaco going forward it yeah. is a it is a slow sidelining of Ben Yedda I felt because Ben Yedda wasn't mm. the, Ben Yedda was the guy doing a little bit more of the the grunt work in terms of the yes. attacking stuff yes. like needing to occupy certain areas to open them up for Balogun which is interesting because Balogun's the more I would say better defensive player and more you know athletic and mobile now with Ben Yedda in his 30s yeah. and yeah it was Ben Yedda the one kind of serving serving Balogun so while I do think that they the the front three work together well enough. I think when you see guys like Golovin or Minamino coming back, it'll be for Ben Yedda rather than than anything to do with Balogun, which we've already kind of seen or starting to happen. No, for sure. Say. I think that that phasing out is very evident in the fact that I'm looking at Fop Mob now, and they say that Ben Yedda had the least touches of the game, thirty seven in total, which is yeah. I think again, just mm-hmm. speaks to your point of Adi Huta slowly realizing that he needs to phase out Ben Yedder from this side uh, to bring in the more 
energetic and dynamic attackers. But uh, but yeah, not a very promising start for Gennaro Gattuso, has to be said, at, at Marseille. Um, there was a lot of um, lot of screaming. I I swear, like even even sitting at home, you could you could hear him scream constantly throughout the ninety minutes, and that was all there was to be honest. <laughs> um, like the, I, I I thought it was a bit more of the passionate showing that was expected from from Marseille, but aside from that, I didn't think they had a lot of substance, and um, which is probably why I mean I think Monaco came out on top ultimately. So. So yeah, so yeah, it was um three two result there, positive result for for Adi Huta. We'll move on to uh one of the matchups that we were looking forward to for the weekend was Nice versus Brest, which sadly enough did not deliver goals, but it did deliver a lot of evidence of how we can see these teams going forward uh into the season and how their season is going to look like. Um Jerry, I'll maybe come to you first um, on on this one. Um, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think um, what happens uh, with Nice is like after the victory against PSG, they were really, although there were a lot of excitement about Fauioli, um all these game plan works against PSG. But you know, I feel, in my opinion, a win and playing against PSG in the league is always kind of true and true. Like, it doesn't really reveal anything about your team. It's just, you know, uh, playing against bitches or obviously or everyone wants to beat them. But uh, I wouldn't be as excited as people were after that game about Nice game plan, Fowley game plan. There is improvement in from what they've been doing in the previous season. But still, you can still think the same the same thing that you see you saw against when the way they play against Lyon, where at some point... So when when you're playing against a team who comes who comes to you who want to to play, it's easier to find spaces. But when the the team not refusing but are not just not there to go press you that high, when you have to create the space, mm. they basically have no no answer to that. And I think that's why they have to they will have to 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 work more because, uh, as I said, when there is not as much a space for those uh, for for example like Kefren Turam to, to run into it, it, it start getting getting difficult for them and when Terren Murphy is not as dominant Lazo getting Yazo and they were playing in a back three so it was really getting hard for him to to do this. So so yeah I think there is some improvement but Farrelly and his tactic is not at he, at his best yet and which is normal. It just arrived so still a work on progress so we'll see at the end of the season what they can do no for sure for sure I think it, it was it was a case of Brest sticking to their game plan and getting their point which is ultimately what it looked like they came for um, Alex I'll come to you Nice lacked a cutting edge in the final third in this game and what Jerry pointed out there them lacking space is probably one of the reasons why they struggled in this one and as early as it is in the season do you think we're seeing the limits of Farioli ball um, so I must say I didn't watch this game. I was watching another one on at the mm. same time, and I also want to say that I'm just pretty gassed for <laughs> for Brest and my and my boy Eric Hoy. I don't know how I'm saying that right. Jerry will correct me, but but yeah, I think people. I mean, we said this before. I think people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves with Nice. I'm not really sure if we're seeing limitations yet. I think in terms of that general approach of like wanting to invite pressure and play through for sure. But I also think with in-possession stuff, it takes a while to get like, you know, everything really properly practiced, you know, unharmonized and all of that. So I think 
I think we'll, we can start speaking about limitations of their in-possession approach really after a season or so. Um, I think the early signs are promising, but but I kind of thought that this would this would be how the game panned out, to be honest. So, so yeah, pretty happy. And I think they did what? They got XG'd a little bit, but I mean, that's... Brest were always going to approach the game that way, so... So yeah, Nice didn't create as many clear-cut chances even. I think during the game, I was I remember watching Brest were comfortable to allow them to have shots from like non-dangerous areas. So Nice had an XG of what, 1.22. So yeah, I mean, fair play to Brest. They sit second in the league after that result now behind uh, Monaco. It's level on points, but just behind on goal difference. So, so yeah, I mean, Erkwa continuing his uh, miracles. Um, we'll move on now to Toulouse. Three Mets nil, where Toulouse's new signing Aaron Donham had a very very promising performance, standing out with five chances created, totaling up to a expected assist tally of zero point nine one. So, feel like this is one of those typical results that you see from Toulouse uh, during the season, where they just comfortably outclass teams due to their technical superiority of the players. So yeah, Toulouse getting the better of newly promoted Mets, who we will talk about more in the the latter half of the episode. We'll move now to, to Rance 2, Nil Leon, the part that Alex is looking forward to most <laughs> talking about. Um, I would say personally, not a, a very classic Rance win by any stretch, but they, they got the job done. They got goals from, you know, Sabda Lamid, Marshall Moretzi, amazing header. I was a, like, yeah, it was bonkers how good that header was, like the power he got on it. Should have been attacked sure. better in the sure. box. By sure, our defenders. True, true. <laughs> but, I mean, you're expecting too much from Leon there. But uh, I'll, let, I'll let, you, <laughs> let you take the first uh, point on this one, Alex. What did you make of uh, uh, the game? I yeah. feel like we, we discuss Leon every week and how <laughs> shit we're doing. So I think I'll be quick. Um, I think the first 45 were, was actually pretty decent. It was it was a little bit upsetting to kind of concede right at the end there to that Bonetzi header. Um, because, I mean, I think... Rance were the better side, but we should be expecting them to be going into that game. They were at home as well. Um, and Lyon have just been, you know, at what? A garbage fire <laughs> <laughs> this season. Um, but yeah, I think we kind of managed them pretty well. I have to say it was a frustrating performance for Shirky, who kind of came in and seemed to be forcing the issue a lot. And he got, I think he got subbed around the 51st minute, even quite early in the game. Um, we were set up a little bit weirdly. And then I think once they scored, they were just in control. Um, they weren't threatened at all. And yeah, then they, they scored the second goal. Kind of the same problem, both just defending in the box, defending crosses into the box. And and yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> um, it's obviously too early to kind of judge anything from cross. And if anything, I think defensively it was an improvement, even though we offered really no threat going forwards. But yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see more. I think once Lepinon came on, we looked a little bit better just building out. And I'd like to see him play again. I know he's hardly a fan favorite, but I think he was quite impressive. And I think he brought more out of Skelly Alviro. Yeah, that that's pretty much all I have from the game so far. And maybe I think I feel sorry for Shaki because I think we didn't really build around him properly. No, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Jerry, anything to add there? No, I think Alex perfectly summed up the situation at Leon. <laughs> you say you didn't really build around it, but uh, Lyon just seemed like an unbuilt team. To be fair, like I don't, we don't, we don't, we don't yeah, really know why he's built around. And well, the thing is though, is that if you give him one runner, which was my problem, like if you're gonna have Shirky, you shouldn't have him as part of a front two. 
for for sure and then you you need to give him more options than just balder like kind of as as the and maybe kumbedi on the overlap i don't think shoki did well in those situations but i think if you're going to use him you have to give him people running off him options to combine with and and we kind of put him ahead of the ball a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously he doesn't go ahead of the ball so he'd stop and it stagnated play a little bit it was a strange decision to decide to not play Ernest Noama because I think like since he arrived he looked really good like a well-ready player for the league huh? so yeah we'll see what's what is Grosso's cooking? Mm, we will indeed. We will indeed. All right. Let's let's quickly round up uh, two more games. We have Lorient nil, Montpellier three. Acor Adams continuing his brilliant start to life in Ligue 1, scoring five now in seven goals and potentially cooking up a very interesting partnership with uh, Musa Al Tamari, who provided the, the assist or one of the assists, I should say, for his brace against Lorient, who meanwhile dropped into the relegation places after an initially promising start of the season for for Regis Labrie. So hold that, Alex. All that early season optimism <laughs> is uh, slowly starting to drain out. So, so yeah, a little bit alarm bells time for, for Regis Labrie. Um, another another impressive... Um, actually, not, not impressive, but finally a win for, for Ren after, what, five draws? It feels like... Um, Beating oh, it is yes. five draws at least five. Yeah. <laughs> um, beating Nantes three one. Uh, Desiree Doué coming off the bench to score, and uh, and yeah, I think Ren looked looked a lot better in this one, more comfortable in their own skin, and yeah, getting the three points on the day. We will close off with Lahav nil to Leo. So Alex, do you want to take away this game because I know you watched this one with particular interest. Yeah, this is the one I watched instead of Nice Press, obviously, partly in preparation for, for having to cover Lahav um, for this mm. episode. I think it was kind of a boring game. Lille had a lot of control. Lahav kind of defended deep. We're happy to sit off. Um, the Yeah, the deadlock was kind of broken by Shakrova. I mean, he, he scored a fantastic goal, it has to be said. And... And yeah, from there, kind of the game opened up. I think Lille were, were, you know, really in control of the game. I was very impressed by Lenny Euro. I think um, Angel Gomes just makes the team look different, look better. And yeah, they were moving the ball all around well. It was just, it was a dominant performance without being, I guess, not super impressive. The halves structurally were really good. Um and yeah, and set up to be defensive from the beginning, it has to be said. I mean, with, with Ndi coming in, um, yeah, which is one of those performances. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think important three points for, for Paulo Fonseca and Leo. And now they've moved up into the top seven. And I think the top seven as a whole is starting to look a little bit like how we expect that bracket to be come the end of the season. And obviously the positions will change, but I think the teams uh, within that bracket of top seven is what we fairly expect it to be towards the end of the season. So, so yeah, three important points for for Fonseca there. All right, now we'll move into the newcomers section. The thing that we are here to talk about is uh, the promoted teams, of course. And as Alex said, we have Lahav as one of the teams that we are going to talk about today alongside Mets. And the way it's going to work is Alex is going to give us the, the insight on Lahav and then... Me and Jerry will probably have some questions for him and it'll work the other way around where Jerry will take over Mets and me and Alex will have some questions for him. All right. So I suppose it's best we get started with uh, with Lahav. 
um to talk about like give a brief overview of the performances so far results have been have been better i think than most of us expected going into the early phase of the season two wins three draws just two defeats so far still maintaining a positive goal difference just good uh, and i think defeating lorient 3-0 was probably the biggest uh, positive of their season so far and I, i i watched the comeback against ren as well which was fairly impressive so alex what do you make of their early season uh, start uh yeah no i agree with everything you've said i think what's what's come through and we didn't know much about them as we've said before um coming into the season we knew that had a very strong defensive performance i think we kind of knew about luka elsner's the coach's reputation as one of the upcoming coaches um but yeah i was very interested to see how they'd look and it, yeah also on top of that i guess a lot of interesting um work in the transfer market that means maybe they, they don't look like the team from last season as much um but they've come in and yeah looked very very good i would i would say even though i think xg kind of you know has gone against them in a lot of games i watched back a couple of them and and there's a clear reason for it in terms of game state they they're very happy to kind of reduce teams especially teams that like to have the ball like to kind of play through they like to sit back and they like to allow you to kind of take shots and and they will back their their ability to defend them um yeah so maybe we should get into how the side sort of shapes up i think defensively they out of possession um they usually press out of a 442 quite a narrow one with the with the wingers working really really hard that's normally alui um who's their number 10 well in terms of shirt <laughs> number but plays out wide can also play up front and has done so and then nego on the other side um up front they've had uh lobo before they've had alui um and they've brought in bio recently he's already scored his first goal for for the club against clermont mm. actually is his yep. old club um his former stomping ground a very very good goal uh getting on to the end of a cross and just putting it away really well um but yeah so they press over 442 what they also do sometimes is they go to a 4141 and that really depends on the what their six does in terms of whether he's protecting in zones or man marking quite tightly um that being abdullahi toure um what they also do sometimes when they sit deep is they let one of the wides one of the wingers kind of join the back line actually into a a 5-3-2 and they get ready to jump into to make it a 4-4-2 depending on their man what i think they're really good they're very trigger based so depending on what what you what the opposition does they'll they'll sit off quite far and then they'll just shoot one or two players or shoot in the moments i think sometimes as good as they are defensively they do have when they jump to press they've had issues in the past well in the past in the, in the three four games i've watched so far this season three on rewatch and then the lyon game which is from memory i have to say so it's also worth saying that these are early impressions of the team this isn't quite the deep dives that we normally do but we felt it would be a good thing to sort of um outline the team what does sometimes happen especially with ketcha who is maybe the, the player i'm the biggest fan of is when they jump to press sometimes there's a little bit of incoherence um in terms of another man kind of protecting the man he's jumping off from but really besides that i think they're actually pretty extraordinary extraordinary defensively um yeah they're very very good at protecting zones setting deep they can push higher i actually asked nanad and i think you can maybe add a little bit of context here about their numbers because it's they have such a different in terms of how they can approach games and depending on the game state that i was really interested to see where they kind of sit out in terms of their like 
defensive performances. No, for sure. I think what what stands out for them, uh, especially from stylistic metrics, is is that they've had so far overall the fewest direct attacks in Liga, just five of note. So, uh, what's interesting is um their approach is it looks fairly direct, but it doesn't actually reflect in the numbers, which also points to the fact that they want to do things with the ball when they have the ball. Um, they are in the top half for open play passing sequences that have 10 or, 10 or more passes. So 60 of those so far, which is far more than what Rance and Brest have managed so far. So I think that again tells you a little bit more about what Luca Elsner is looking to do with the ball uh, than without it. Um, and I was reading a feature on, on the Ligon's official website that he takes inspiration from Diego Simeone and then how working with Maurizio Pochettino changed his entire outlook on, on football and the way he approaches man management and the tactical side of things and everything. So so I think he's... I see, the, I see some impressions of what those two managers bring to the pitch in what he's brought. So yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, very, very interesting so far, yeah. Oh, sorry. So just to just to add to the in possession stuff, you got a little bit. Ahead of <laughs> sorry, <me. laughs> but but I but I see the comparisons in terms of what what it was directness versus number mm. of passes or something like that, where they kind of um, modeled similarly to Nantes and and yeah. Rance, and I can see that similarity in all three teams, but in different ways. I think with Nantes, it kind of comes from this intention to build deep, but then not really having that link. We've spoken about this before, so they kind of have to play a bit more directly. Um, they want to kind of play through, but then they need to kind of play a little, and also make use of guys like Quinton Miller, who are some of their best players, right? Um, whereas with Rance, they've increasingly started adding to that deeper build-up and then shooting through. And I think Lahab's a little bit more similar to that, although not quite as dynamic in how they play through. What they are very comfortable doing is building very slowly out of that back line, um, especially when they're looking for a goal. They don't really push, rush the issue too much in the deeper areas. They, what you'll often see, and I guess it depends on the match, but the matches I watch is that they form a back three in the build-up with the right back, Somir, being part of the back three. Um, have to say, uh, Sagante, their captain, and I, I was actually surprised to find out he's only 21 years old. Um, but he he's a he's a big leader in terms of directing the passing out the back. And he, he, he finds um, Abdullah Toure, their number six a lot, who's also very happy to kind of receive. If there's an option on the turn, he'll kind of move forward. If there isn't, he's very happy to recycle back. So they're quite patient there. But And there's some really nice combinations along the sides of the wingers as well, kind of like one-twos or little triangles. But what's, what they love to do, right, is they... Because they also do play quite narrowly still, I would say, except when they move to the sides, is then when they get into areas where they can kind of send the ball in, especially when they have... um more of a target man up front. They'll they'll send the ball quite direct, hoping that it'll you know get to him, but more so being ready to fall on that second ball. And I think that's a big thing in terms of their game plan is this slow, a little bit more, wouldn't quite say meticulous, right? But once they work it into a good scenario, just shooting the ball in and trusting their players and that they have the intensity in their players to kind of fall on the ball and win it back. And they do have um very, you know, I would say physically active players um who are who are very willing to kind of do that um and then yeah the the when the game state changes the approach changes a lot more so so i've been quite impressed with them and what he's done with them so far i i do actually see the simeone comparisons right i think he's a he's a coach who really loves that defensive solidity 
and and has managed to coach out of I don't know it's 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 a little bit too early for me to judge like the individual quality of the team but um a really a really good sense of coherence between that backline and then in possession I think they've got some great players that um that they use so what if I had to speak to some of the players that I think are their most important or will be their most important this season I think we can we can start from the back Aruna Sangante 21 years old and actually their captain by the way um I was very, very impressed with him. He's very good at reading situations, reacting to situations. But even more so, I'm actually impressed with him in possession. Not that he does anything outrageous. He's he's not spraying balls from deep or or carrying out very far. He plays at that central center back in the in the back three. But he's very good at kind of being able to, especially under pressure, direct which way he wants play to go. And I think there's a there's a real sign of intelligence in terms of how he likes to build from deep. And as I said, there's a lot of resetting. So it He's always sort of the guy who's looking to kind of find that way through. If we move a little bit higher, I think maybe, maybe their most important player in their team is Abdullah Toure. Um, huge um, DM. And yeah, very, very good ball winner. Very important to what they do out of possession. And then also has that sort of um, ability under pressure on the turn and carrying ability um, to be quite important for them in possession. Um, I think sometimes he can be a little bit... Um, not rash, but a little bit. You could take a, a wrong touch or stuff that puts them in trouble. And obviously, that's a that's a very important thing to kind of avoid doing when you're in that sixth role. But but yeah, he I think he overall is a huge huge player for them. Um, besides that, I think if we move forward a little bit, Kuziev, uh, a, a summer signing. I think he's awesome, and I'm really impressed with him. I'm sad he's already thirty. Kind of the same with Junior Ito come to the league and I'm, I'm already super enthused by him and I'm like, damn, what, how many more years do I have with this guy? <laughs> but... <laughs> He's not dying, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> In football terms, he is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, he's great. Quite direct. Very good at those sort of combinations just in, in and around the box. Um, how many... He must have two goals for he the has, this yeah. season yeah. And, and a couple of assists, maybe? No assists, I'm not but even he sure has if he has any assists. Yeah. Yeah, not even sure, but he, yeah, he's just, he's a big creative player, likes to play in those pockets. This is kind of a stretch, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Rosicki, just in terms of like the directness and the and the wanting to combine. Um, yeah, besides that, then I think the person who I think is going to be very, very important and already has been coming in, in is Mohamed Bayo. Obviously proven in the league in his first league with uh, in his first season with Clermont Food. I actually looked and he only played seven nineties for a little bit, still scored four goals and got one assist, which is small sample king. Yeah, which is crazy. Cra- I wonder why he didn't get more chances. I didn't really follow um, him that closely last season. Yeah, he didn't get more chances because last season in the early parts. Yeah, he was yeah. because against I think it was against PSG the night before him and Remy Cabela went out and after that he just he uh. just struggles. So yeah, they went like uh, in a club in Lille. And people saw them and just sent like obviously better on social media like oh, how our players uh, out yeah. when we playing PSG tomorrow. And following this, he just kind of why in a bad like Francesca didn't rate him that much. Even even for Cabela, it was kind of hard to get back into team. But obviously his quality make it easier. But you know when you already have Jonathan mm-hmm. Bamba as a striker, uh, as good as Mohamed Bayou is, you were like wow, well, we don't really need to to to. 
to get him back. So okay, I think you that, mean Jonathan that's David. That's so interesting. I never <laughs> Jonathan Bamba's now not as much of a threat anymore. But yeah, Jonathan David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, so yeah, interesting. I mean Jonathan yeah. David. <laughs> That that's so interesting though, because I actually never knew. I mean, I missed the early weeks of of Lille, and he kind of got phased out yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I I assumed it was more of like a a tactical fit because yeah, if you if you're gonna play him, then it has to be a four four two sort of or a two striker formation, I should say, and and maybe they could be a weird fit. I feel like that was maybe the plan initially. I mean, why bring in Bio otherwise, unless you're trying to think maybe this is a good opportunity because <laughs> Jonathan David's gonna leave soon and he hasn't. Mm. Um. But but yeah, I was surprised. But I mean, yeah, he's proven, and I think he's already looking really good. What I what I think is interesting is that he could make them a little bit more direct now. They have someone who's quite speedy up front, and quite direct, and likes to run yeah. onto things and likes to finish. You know, you know, on the on the break. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how they use him. We kind of already seen that a little bit in his first in his first showings, but. But yeah, that's something to watch out for. Last thing, and I already mentioned him very briefly, but my favorite player from the team, and he, he is generally a starter, kind of does get dropped out for certain games. Um, for example, versus Lille, where they brought in Rasul and Deer, um, to to fix things up a bit more defensively, is is Yasin Ketcher. He's twenty one. Um, obviously, Lahav is a is a club known for its graduates, and and we haven't really spoken about many. We've actually spoken about a lot of older players to be honest um but he is someone who's come through from there if i can just profile him maybe because you know that's what i love to do no, no, <laughs> he's yeah yeah so he generally plays in the pivot alongside toure um on the left of the pivot they generally play like a four two three one sort of formation um and yeah he's a very you know, he loves to carry he loves to receive he's got a very good low center of gravity and he's very technical so it makes it makes him very hard to like deal with under pressure and he loves to receive under pressure. He loves to carry forward. Um, yeah, I think he can get a bit lost in his own source sometimes and he kind of holds on for too long or holds on and then kind of makes the pass that he shouldn't. But but yeah, there's a lot of talent there and I think he is going to be one of the most important players for them this season, particularly if they if they find goals hard to come by, which to be fair, they haven't yet. Um yeah, but I, I'm very impressed with him. I think he's also what I noticed on rewatches is that he's a very active, hardworking press. He's a very eager defensive player. He he reminds me of like a young Kaká yeah, where he's always that. jumping out to press. That. Yeah, the problem is maybe I think he's almost too reckless, and I think that's probably why he's been dropped for some of the bigger games as much as being a, you know not as physically imposing as some other players that that Elsner would want in the team. But but yeah, he's very fun. He, he needs to kind of work. I think one thing is when he's pressing, is just making sure he has his cover shadow sorted so that there isn't a pass right behind. Because I think that's one of the ways in which teams do tend to break through Lahav in the centers when we have Ketcher running up. But in terms of what he does on the ball and his creativity and just that low center of gravity, um, he's fantastic. Uh, actually, I, I'm re- it would be remiss for me to forget, maybe their star player, he's already got four goals for the, the season is Aloui, who plays generally off the left, has played up front for them. Um, yeah, just a very, very good player as well. Has a good creativity to him, I also think. Um, I don't know if he has any assists this season. I think not. But but yeah. Um, so yeah, that sort of attack of Kuziev, Bayo and, and Aloui. And then whoever's playing on the right, be it Nego, whoever. And then, you know, Ketcher behind is actually quite a creative and... Um, 
dangerous team, I would say, more so than we were worried going into the season and not with, with how, despite winning Ligue 2, how, yeah, modest their attacking returns yeah modest is modest is definitely one way to put it uh but i think what's (laughs) it won't surprise you alex like of all the things that you just mentioned and there was a lot you talked about there very well done on all all of those details um won't surprise you to find out that i absolutely agree with you on every single detail (laughs) and i literally wrote those sentences (laughs) down in my own notes in Literal paraphrasing all of the things that he just said. So I'm just like nodding along like, yes, I wrote this. Yes, I saw this. Yes, I saw that. This is how I know I'm right when he not agrees with me. <laughs> but no, I agree. I I think tactically I've been I've been very impressed with what Elson is trying to do. And um and I I suppose like what's what's impressed me the most is obviously like, you know, we talked about their modest goal scoring return last season in League Down. But what's impressed me even more is being able to carry through that that uh, defensive core, that defensive uh, approach to Liga and being able to translate that because mm, Le Havre have only conceded, they've only conceded five goals so far this season, which is which is a very, very good uh, record to have. Um, they conceded 19 over a course of a 38-game season in Liga last year. So I think the the... The principles that Elsner holds out of possession and um, the focus of the side to first and foremost be a defense defense first, but then have that confidence in possession to be able to hurt teams on the break, like you said, being direct and having that target man like Mohamed Bayo. But not only that, but also having all of these technical players, like you already talked about, Kuzhaev, Keshta, uh, Nabil Aliyui. It's almost like they have multiple number 10s on the pitch that are able to do stuff for them in possession. So, yeah, I'm very, very impressed with, with what uh, what they're trying to do. And I, you know what? I, I think, I mean, obviously we were a little bit lower on their survival chances earlier on in our season preview, but I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. To be fair, we did say uh, that they needed a goal scorer. And I think in bio, I mean, I think we've kind of been proven wrong mm. already because other guys have stepped up. I mean, four goals for Louis is a, is a, great return yeah. already what seven games into the yeah. season I'm not sure how sustainable that is but it proves that he can score goals sure. right for sure um uh, but yeah bringing bio in makes me a lot higher on on what they can do especially if they attack in a way that serves them which i think they mm. will um and they, they have a variety in terms of variation in terms of how they defend and how they attack which makes them just a, a really tough opponent to to deal with because there's so many different ways in which they can hurt you or stop you from hurting true. them. True, true, true. Jerry, Alex got into a lot of, of things there and I think did a really good job of, you know, like, like I said, covering their profile as a whole and and yeah, I um, was wondering if you had any any questions for him and like, yeah, what what do you make of uh, Le Havre's season as a whole? <laughs> I think from a French point of view... Um... Le, Le upcoming was kind of an excitement for everyone because they've been doing really well in Ligue 2. And I think we are not being deceived yet. And the way they're playing is, is really definitely an exciting one. And Alex pretty much covered, covered it really well, as you said. Um, everything that he said is something that I noticed as well from the game at the chance to watch. So I think they're going to be okay too because they just seems in their place in that league. So yeah, exciting. Um, on I more more unserious that about the hour. Uh, I I don't know if you've seen it, guys, but um, after each warms up 
uh, in home games. So Nicola Duches, which is the goalkeeper, goalkeeper coach, always threw the ball in the stands towards um, Mathieu Bodmer, who is the sporting director. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it, it, it's kind of funny that you see that. And they do it because they, they supposedly, um, they're supposed to win. If Mathieu Bodmer catch the ball, that means they're going to win. And so that's kind of like a ritual <laughs> they have before every home game, which is, quite, which is quite funny in the field. You see the, a keeper just throwing a ball in the stand. And obviously, it's not like a supporting stand. It's where all the, um, like, kind of the people are. So, so yeah, it's, it's always quite fun to watch so this. I've, I've said all this about their tactics, but really, really, how good Lohav are depends on on Bodmer's and <laughs> I coordination. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, the, the one thing I don't know why you spend so much time when you can just go up and say it. <laughs> just see if he catches. Yeah, Bodmer needs to be in training. The, the rest of the guys can chill. The one thing though, you did remind me, Jerry. I actually forgot is to speak about the goalkeeper. Now, I wouldn't say he's the most comfortable with his feet, but what I have noticed is they do try use him in the build-up at times or they do have him kind of coming off his line more so than i think you often see really in the in the french league it's still something that that we don't see that often i remember all, all the like all the media reaction to how Sampaoli used to use um his goalkeeper so high up and in, in the build-up but but yeah it's, a, it's an interesting thing to me because desma isn't that great with his feet at least in my opinion it kind of it shows there that's something in elston's thinking and i think if we, which we will do, especially if he stays in the league, which I think he probably will, is following his evolution. I'm interested to see how much he uses the goalkeeper in terms of his build-up. No, for sure. I think what's what's interesting also is, like you said, Alex, he's not particularly good on the ball. And the way they, that he is always willing to receive, like receive from the centre-backs and like help them escape pressure in some moments, but he's almost mm-hmm. always clearing it long, which is a very interesting way of of, like, I think, again using um that direct approach to their own benefit like almost from the back starting from the and back where, and then and like belief in the ability to exactly win second exactly balls, and like sure. how they like you said they collapse almost onto the second ball and trying to put pressure on the opponent uh to get the ball back so so yeah i think that's that's uh it's an interesting way it, it's it's a very it's a very um i'd say it is unique because most goalkeepers and most players and coaches that use goalkeepers in build-up, they use it to, obviously they use it, uh, their goalkeepers to escape pressure, to build out from the back, to be more involved in build-up, short, sharp passes, maybe clip passes to the wing-backs. You don't see that as much from the house goalkeepers. So I think that's a very, um, very interesting use of of, uh, of the goalkeepers. So yeah, something to keep an eye out for the rest of the season for sure. That that was Dahas Lahav, so well done, Alex. Good job on that. Uh, you should be proud. Uh, a plus, five stars for you. <laughs> well, we'll we'll uh, we'll move on now to the Mets section. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of time to catch up on Mets footage, but I'm hoping that Jerry can give us some excellent insight into into what Lashlo Baloney's side is looking so far in in Liga. Just to round off a couple of key performances I thought for them is um thought defeating Lons 1-0 um was probably the best result of the season so far. And yeah, I mean I think two what is it now? Two defeats or I should say three defeats now after their most uh, recent um uh, defeat against Montpellier. 
I think three defeats now. Uh, season so far is is not the worst. I think coming up from from league there, and again drawing against Rans coming back. I think it was two two at the end. That was also an impressive result. So Jerry, I, I just want to give you a chance to maybe briefly summarize their um, early season performances. Yeah. So um. The situation of Mets is quite interesting. Mm. They are amongst those club, the those bracket of club who are like too good for League Two, but not good enough for League One, uh, League One, <laughs> League One, <laughs> for League One. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, I, I, and I do think because when you look at the the way they're playing, when you, you if you compare it to last year, they are a team who are not afraid to to play, mm. and. In Liga, it was working well because individually they have really good player for Liga 2. So therefore, they were re- re- really good at playing from playing out from the back, going to press. Now arriving in Liga, um, they haven't changed much, and they try to do so. And I think that's why uh, they concede so many goals. Uh, they have, I think, they have thirteen goals conceded so far this season. Mm. And uh, and the problem is, and what is also really interesting is obviously we know that the star striker um George Mikotadze left for Ajax and the team I, I've noticed that really changed on the way they were playing. Before when he was there in Liga they were a really traditional team where like they were quite quickly really vertical team and quite quickly but since he left there's like they've they've lost the um, they've lost obviously the, the main striker and the way they're playing now is a bit different. In position, they're pretty much playing in a four-three-three, while out of position they are in a four-two-three-one. And the way they're attacking now that Mikotagi left is a bit different. So obviously, um, they left quite later on in the season. One mm. of the main player and the number ten, um, number ten in the shirt and number ten in the position, <laughs> uh, Youssef Youssef Maziz, who went for a big fee. Uh, to, somewhere in Belgium and so I think they've been one of the things they've been struggling to replace him correctly and and they they, they bring on from a, a winger um, Osoro um, yeah Joel Osoro Swedish Osoro, yeah Joel yeah. from Sweden and which have been pretty decent this season and him so Joel Osoro and Sheikh Didian Sabali um, are really interesting player because they are the way they are attacking. They basically they are really good at cutting inside and for long range shoots. When you look at the, those goals, they are, they they score seven goals and out of the seven goals, there's like three or four goals come from a long range shoot, and mainly from them, they are basically the main danger now um, from an attacking standpoint because they are really especially Sheikh Titian Sabali he's re- are really direct players and is really good at cutting on his right right foot to to shoot so um that's basically how they have been performing this season now the reason why they're not they're not doing really well in my opinion is the fact that as I said they try to 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 play the same way they were playing in Ligue 2 in Ligue 1 and that's post problem. For example, they are really a man-to-man marking and in Ligue 2 you can do so because there, there isn't much players who are technically gifted enough to to defeat such a such a, a, a way of defending. But in Ligue 1, you can easily have players who... I mean, that's in Ligue 1, that's like... Uh, 
the the bread the daily bread, bread butter, having yeah. to yeah. yeah bread and butter sorry <laughs> uh, the bread and butter to have to defeat those kind of of pressing so therefore they they often qu- quite out of position because what what they try to do once they 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 most of the time try to press for I would say something like five seconds but quickly start to drop back uh, if they don't get the ball. Because it's just re- we can tell like it's really hard for them. They just seems um, really not at their place in, in Liga. And as I say, they they're just part of those teams. Then they just seems not good good enough. And if I have to say, uh, I don't think they will be okay. I don't see how. And it's such a shame because they actually are a team that trying to play, but I feel like the quality of the player just aren't there yet. And the player that I've been the most important f- for them, in my opinion, is like the goalkeeper, um, Okija, who, who, who'd been performing really excellently. I will have as well for the captain, Machu Udo, um, who's doing well. And obviously as well, um, Kevin and Doham from a Monaco, Monaco player. That's basically definitely the really good player who have been performing well, but the rest is really, I don't, yeah, uh, I just got a lot of concern about how you actually can um, make them play better with the player that they have because I already feel like they're doing really well uh, and I don't see how you can make them perform to another level without bringing some more qualities because the problem, as I say, is not the coach, it's not is nothing but the quality of player that they have that is just not enough and the fact that they they, they lost masses so in the first time so early in the season and then Nikotadze I think that was too big departure for them and yeah I don't see them recover from this no I think yeah there's a lot of concerns you pointed out there and like especially with the way they've I think they've maybe struggled to adjusting to life in Liga, especially after, like you said, having dominated games in Liga, like playing out of the uh, playing out from the back, having a lot of that possession, and then switching from that mode into a different style of uh, style of play in Liga, where you have to be more pragmatic, where you have to think defense first, where you have to think results are more important. Maybe maybe Mets and uh, Bologna is is maybe struggling to find that uh, right balance. And obviously, the player recruitment is a, is a big point. Um, losing stars like Mikotadze and, and their number 10 earlier season, like, like you mentioned, um, big, big losses, aren't they? So, so yeah, I think very, very valid uh, concerns uh, pointed out. Alex, uh, do, you, do you have any thoughts that you want to discuss with, uh, with Jerry here? I have to say, I haven't watched much um, of Mets so mm. far, but... What I'm interested in is, I guess, firstly, just Jolosoro as a name. I've, you know, he's been a name bouncing around, especially, I guess, um, people who are fans of like slightly smaller leagues and, and young players coming through them. Um, what have you thought of Osoro so far, or from from your from your watch throughs, um, Jerry? No, obviously he's a he's a good he's a good player, good winger, and is the the same way as I said, Chidan um, Sabali Lat like to cut inside to, to shoot from the right foot. It's basically the same with Ozoro who like to cut inside on from, from the right foot. I do, as I said, he's a good player. player. I, I don't know how how much you can make him. Maybe, maybe by, we, we, with a wing back more, 
more present offensively, he could he could he could get really hard for the defender. But at the moment, because he's basically he's always most of the time on one one on one, and he's not that dominant yet. So it's it's quite hard for him. It, I cannot you cannot blame him for anything because what you have to do is is really hard. But uh, yeah, he, he's a good player. But I don't I don't see him as the player that. Mets needs to 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 stay up or to provide more goals maybe, so yeah, it would be interesting to see he he can develop into that player. But at the moment, I I would say they Mets should be worried about if they can stay in Liga or not for next season. And then I just wanted to ask. So from from what else you've said, it kind of sounds like Mets are a bit doomed to yeah. To get relegated, I mean, if you were if you were in charge, right? If you were the manager, what would you kind of be doing to keep them up or to improve them? Or do you think it's just with the players that they have at the moment, there's just no hope of even really improving results? Because you did say that they've been playing the right way, but that suggests to me that you think they should be playing another way at the moment to kind of yeah to hold on to results. I said pragmatism is a it's a big thing in football, you know. Mm. When I say the, when I say the right way, it's obviously the way that we like to see. They've been trying to be half on the yes. back. They've been really protagonist to the way they were playing. And that's for me the right way. But <laughs> that's for me the right way as a spectator. But may, maybe in, in that in that question, the right way would be to to play a more defensive football, maybe. Uh, because what one of the qualities that they have, they, they also are, are really uh, a good physical team as well so i feel like if they try to be more around their box they're one of those teams you know where it can get really hard to get pass pass into because um they are they really physic and either the midfielders are really physic so i i don't like to say because obviously we, we we say that oh most of the time you know if you want to stay up we you should try to play and it's always nice to say that as a as a as a as an outsider, but maybe when you see now they've been they've been trying to play since the beginning and it doesn't seem to be working well. Uh, maybe going back to a bit more of pragmatism is what gonna help them stay up. But once again, that is really hard because now you say this: if they can stay up, yeah. But what you just hard you cannot build anything based on that game style and. I don't know what's the the the, the board that Met is thinking. Either they they want if that means then they will have to come back in in Link the next season and, and come up again, but this time with a more a more a more clearer um, style plan or trying at all costs to stay in Liga, but with something that not durable. It's just harder. If I was coach, I. I do think I would have say, okay, we've tried to play. It doesn't work well for us. Maybe let's try to defend for a bit, see how it goes. Uh, and yeah, but generally, I do think that in either way, they would go down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely, surely. Like like you said, um, Jerry, the club hierarchy must be thinking that maybe going down is a very real possibility. Yeah. You, I, I just think that the players are just not... You can't, you know, you, you can't have some players that are not good enough for the yeah. league game, but in that case, just, there's too too many too many players that are not ready for for the game. And losing Mikotadze and Maziz was 
definitely the, yeah. the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was so sad to see Mikatodzo go because, yeah, I was just very excited to see him in the league and, and we've lost him too soon to, to Ajax. Um, and it did feel like when they sold him, it just felt like a really weird move if you're not going to bring Especially someone in. Especially the timing, the timing think, of it as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and he still had time on his contract, I think. I, I remember looking at the time. But I mean, I, I kind of agree just looking at, at the state of play because I have to say this season, it's quite strong. I mean... Lenard was talking earlier, just to just to go back to right at the beginning, talking about you know the top mm. seven shaping up, but it's actually worth pointing out that the top seven are separated by three points at the moment, mm. which is which is extraordinary, right? And the highest goal difference in the whole league is plus eight, which is both PSG and Monaco have that goal difference. So it's it's a tougher league than it's ever been. And if you look at the teams at the bottom, they're teams that we've seen. Okay, Lyon have looked like. You know, a dumpster fire. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Not a garbage fire. A dumpster fire, right? But but it's still it's Lyon, and I'm I'm not willing to say that we're going to get relegated. I I will take Jerry's prediction of twelve at this point. <laughs> but but like the other teams, I mean, Lorient have looked pretty good at times. Lens are still sitting in fifteenth. Nantes have even looked good. All of these teams are actually pretty decent. Marseille are in twelfth. Like it's actually hard to see to know who's really going to get relegated just because it's it's tight everywhere, and the the one team that really does feel I mean Mets to be fair are sitting fourteenth now. Where are Mets sitting, sitting just above above fourteenth. Uh, um, yeah, so just above just above Lance. Um, so they're not quite down and out yet. They are six points ahead of Lyon and Clermont Foot at the foot of the table. <laughs> Um, on the food of the table, yeah. <laughs> um, and you called me out for bad yeah, jokes before so, we started recording, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one, I couldn't, I couldn't avoid. But yeah, it does, it does feel like to me, Clermont Foot and and Mets are looking like the two worst teams, uh, and Lyon. But I, I have faith will improve, and we have the quality to stay up. They're looking like the worst teams in the division at this point. Yeah, it's 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 tight there, isn't? Obviously, this is early on in the season, but now that you've pointed out the difference between the top seven, I just want to look at the points difference between so from starting from eighth okay. to fifteenth, <laughs> there's only three points difference. So every result from here on in for every team is like is obviously very important. It could change the way the table looks week to week. So I think we'll get a much better sense of where the league is heading it's come a, Christmas time. It's only actually that drastic when we get... Uh, 16th is Lorient on six yeah, points, yeah. which is only five points off of Lille in 7th. It is seven. crazy, yeah. Or, or, or Ren in 7th. <laughs> Ren in 6th, yeah. sorry. But then Lyon, Clermont, Fouda, we're both on two points <laughs> each. Yeah, those are the two yeah. things that really need to worry about themselves. And in, in, one, mo- in, one, mo- in one month, Lyon and Lorient... Um, Lyon and Mets are facing each other, so maybe by then Ooh. it's gonna be uh, the game. <laughs> the game <laughs> to know who's going out of the the, the relegation zone. A, a six points. Uh... <laughs> Alex Elico. Do you know what? I have zero faith in us winning that game. Uh, so that's the that's the problem at this point. I don't know how this chat always comes back to the, to Lyon. I get that. That is my fault. But yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think. I think we've yeah we've reached a natural conclusion of of the Mets talk, and I think and I, I'm sure listeners will agree that it's a tale of two clubs. I think in two very different places in the league table, and I think you can tell by the tone of our conversations as well how positive Alex was on the half and how 
I would say almost depressed <laughs> Jerry was about about Mets's fortunes uh, in Liga and this season. Um, it's a tale of two very different clubs and um, two expected at least two very different fortunes for for the rest of the season. So yeah, I think well done, Jerry, on uh, painting just how just how dire the situation is. At, yeah, at Mets. If, if, if I can if I can if I can add, they yeah, also, please, please. if I can add as well, they also quite as i said they are a really physical team therefore and they know how to use it therefore on seed pieces they can be quite dangerous so yeah the way basically the way net is scoring goals is by seed pieces and long shot fair enough i mean yeah i think i think when you're a team like struggling at the bottom of the barrel i think those are your saving graces taking taking uh shots and yeah taking your shots from set pieces so, so yeah, good luck, uh, Lashlo Bologna and Mets. Um, whatever happens with the rest of his season. We're not very optimistic. So, so yeah. But, yeah, Luca Elsner, well done on everything so far. Uh, very proud of you. <laughs> uh, everybody's eats is, is flying high. He doesn't even know who we he are. He will, he will, though. Growing attendances, what Jerry's talking about, growing attendances. People are going to be growing... <laughs> Uh, to listen and joining yeah, the pod, join pod coming in to yeah, listen yeah that's how it goes <laughs> that's how it goes um but yeah that was Lahav and Mets but before we call it a day we have to cover the matches to watch for game week eight so Jerry we ended the discussion with you I'll give you the first uh first chance to select your match to watch for next week um I've set a rule to myself that I will not try to bring PSG at every source Nice. So I will not choose any PSG game, the PSG game. Okay. Um, I think the one who will be exciting that I'm definitely gonna watch um is gonna be Stade de Reims against Monaco. No, that was my pick. All right. Um, <laughs> I I just I just feel like uh, so for game week eight, this could be a um uh. I I see Monaco lost this game for some reason. Just vibes, no no analysis. Just I see them lose this game, <laughs> and I I think that's where they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> drop in, in in places, and yeah, and it will be the occasion for for Balogun to return to his former club as well, which is a which is gonna be a, a good angle for him. So this game gonna definitely gonna be more an interesting one. No, well, Alex, he's taken, looks like, by the sound of things, that he's taken your team to watch, <laughs> uh, your match to watch for the weekend. So who is your uh, plan B? Well, I, <laughs> my my plan B is has to be, I guess, Lance versus sure. Lille. Mm, or, or Ren versus PSG. It's one of the two. I, I'm, I'm unprepared. I was, I was sure that Jerry was going to take the PSG game, but he's... He's worked yeah, out but not being no, predictable. No, because <laughs> I, no, because you have to say like 80 percent of the game where PSG is involved could be matched. So I don't want to say PSG, PSG, PSG. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Let me let me go with Lance versus Lille because I think we're seeing Lance getting better, kind of taking shape for the season. Um, and yeah, and then Lille also in in their own way also improving in another way. So both teams are are on the up, and I think it'll be an interesting tactical battle. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, from two teams that are on the up, I'm going to pick out two teams that are on the down, that are down bad to get a result next week, is uh, Lyon versus Lorient. 
I think for very different okay. reasons they both <laughs> need results. <laughs> uh Lorion need a result to obviously arrest their very very concerning slide after an impressive start of the season and to be honest Leon just need a result because come on that that club just needs that just needs three points and we need we need Alex something uh, to have something positive to talk about for for next week we can't just you know we can't just be using him as a punching bag with for every episode so fingers crossed Alex maybe this weekend is the is the one thank you i hope so <laughs> <laughs> all right all right on that somber note we call it a day listeners thank you so much for sticking around to the end we hope that this was an insightful listen as always and if your podcast platform allows you to rate and review please do we'd really appreciate it and um, yeah next week we'll have another guest appearance on the pod we are very excited to bring you that episode so stick around for that and yeah have a good rest of the week enjoy the league on action see you then